Thanks for joining us today. You're listening to the podcast. If you don't know, now you know. I'm your host, Mr. Hecker. Please enjoy the show. Yo, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Ooh. If You Don't Know, Now You Know. My name's Mr. Hecker, ah, and this beautiful guest I have here today, Ryan, how are you, brother? Good, man. So good to be here. We just popped this in the calendar last night, and we're just like straight into it. It's really sp- excited to chat, man, and yeah, it's going to be an interesting combo. Subo. So I always like to give my plugs at the start of the podcast, so uh, I guess first things first, where can we find your social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and kind of... What other platforms do you operate on? I like that you do the plugs at the start. That's sick. So mainly Instagram, and my handle is the Ryan Magic, and I love it if people that listen to the a podcast episode that I'm on send us a message and just let us know if there's anything that stands out or really hits home for them. Or have a follow up question. Always so nice to get a message from people that listen and. I know a lot of times people think, oh, the people that do podcasts are so busy. And I respond to every message I get. So uh, would love it if you guys hit me up at Magic on Instagram. Done. Thanks and for the plug at the start. That's it, sick. Yeah. And I'll put that in the description down below as well um, for anyone out there who wants to um, go track you down on Instagram, go check you out. So, and I always like to start sure. the podcast with a bit of gratitude as well. So what are the three things you're grateful for today? Mm, actually do gratitude every morning as well. My my laptop's sitting on my gratitude book. Yeah. Um, man, I was reflecting on this this morning. Just I'm massively grateful for having awareness, being able to have perspective on myself and my life because when I'm stuck and I'm going through tough times, that awareness always pulls me through. So if I have anxiety coming up or I'm unclear on something or I'm beating myself up a little bit, it's all good. My emotions rise and fall, but to be able to have the awareness and a bunch of tools and practices that can self support me through tough times, it's like, well, that's so awesome. That's one thing. The second thing is the lifestyle that I have is so healthy. And I've got a, I just got off my team meeting before I jumped on this and uh, one of my VAs is in Canada, one's in, in the Philippines, and they got hit with a massive typhoon and their house flooded. And they're all safe. But there are people in a neighboring town over there that are drowning and losing their homes completely. It's crazy. And that's like, that's a, a natural disaster. But people live in poverty and can't afford to have great food. I eat the healthiest food, all really organic produce and exercise and can drink clean drinking water and it feels so good to have to have my health and it's something that I've taken for granted in the past of my life there's one point when I started out in business that I was smashing chocolate bars like every day and energy drinks to stay up late is just poisoning my body so I'm really grateful for my health and I'm grateful that I get to do what I love my whole life like my whole vocation is only things that I love and at the moment I'm shifting even more into doing what I love and I currently do what I love. I'm just sharpening it even more to be even more aligned. So it's it's like, whoa, (laughs) it's just an amazing life. I'm so grateful for those things. So thanks for kicking off the, with that. What are you grateful for, man? Oh, brother, for me today, it's, um, it's opportunity. You know, Mm -hmm. I I live in a, in an environment where opportunity passes me every day. And uh, it's up to me whether I want to seize it or take it on board. And uh, 
I like being in that environment. That's why I live here where I am and I have the people around me that I do. So, yeah, environment, uh, definitely on my list today was health, health as well, as always. Mm. And it's really important for me to look after it because you only get one life. It isn't a practice life. Um, and it's actually come up in one of my goals. You know, My goal, uh, speaking about this, like my number one goal in life is to live longer. And that's my mm. health. Everyone else goes, oh, I want to achieve this, this, and this, which is all good. But if you die and you don't look after your health from now until the end of time, if I can add an extra 10 years or whatever that may look like, you get to achieve more. So for me, I've um, really just honing in on that in the past couple of years. So it come up for me this morning. So that and then also Mondays. Mondays are awesome, man. I get shit done Monday. And it's about building momentum for my week. So Monday is like, kick it off strong. And then it, that momentum just goes throughout, follows throughout the week. So that's the three things I'm grateful for, brother. And I'm, um, yeah, I'm loving Big it, man. man. Loving it. I love that. Um, I love that, that piece on your goal being to live longer. The cool thing is that most of the, the things that create longevity also impact your energy on a day-to-day basis. A lot of people might think, oh, so you're going to do all these things to live longer, but you're not actually enjoying the experience because you're being all disciplined and eating these healthy foods. You could be eating worse quality, like more delicious foods and and live less. And it's like I'm packing an epic life into a shorter amount of time. But you feel so pumped. You feel so energized when you're with these practices that help with longevity, let's say like yoga or meditation. For me, if I'm spending 20 minutes to meditate, which I do twice a day every day, I feel more enriched and alive for the the other time that I'm spending outside of meditation throughout the day. So it's cool that the longevity goal will tie in with feeling awesome every day, which is an expansive life in itself. Mm. So I want to lead straight into that as we were talking before. Um, I want to know, like, before you got to where you are now, like, let's let's start from the back, like from the beginning. Uh, actually, we'll start. Where where'd you grow up? Dingley Village which is a cute little uh, kind of bogan town. It's town, village. It's like, it's in the metropole, but it's like near Frankston in Melbourne. If anyone knows Frankston, kind of where the Darrows live. Uh, I grew up in a bit of a broken home with drug abusive dad, alcoholic mum. It was, it was tough and it was normalized though. I didn't know anything else. So I wasn't thinking, oh, what a crap life. I was just scared, scared, anxious little kid. So yeah, I grew up, grew up in that area. And it's really interesting reflecting upon that. That's another thing for this lifestyle. It's such a healthy lifestyle. The lifestyle that people live where I grew up, most of the time is just heading to the pub, sinking a bunch of beers most nights. And so they live to drink. It's like a really heavy drinking culture in amongst the circles of friends that were family friends, parents, friends, culture around the footy club i grew up playing a lot of footy that's just what everyone does so all the people that are my age and a few years older a few years younger with similar interests to me growing up most of them are tradies now and and just get on the piss all the time and so to be able to reflect and go wow i'm so lucky that i have my health versus where i grew up it's an interesting contrast Mm, i love that so what about school where'd you go to school at Dingley village primary school yeah how was that like always fascinated to know i guess like how people fitted in at school like where you 
did you do well at school? Did you fit in? Did you struggle? Yeah. So this is this is so essentially telling if you want me to go in and tell my story, I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I yeah, know. awesome. Yeah, cool, man. So, yeah, like I said, I grew up in a broken home, and it, my parents both cared and loved about me a lot, but they were very troubled themselves with a lot, a lot of toxicity in their minds. They both had just passed down a, a mental abuse passed down from my parents' parents into them. And then they brought that uh, that trauma into the way that they raised myself and my sister. And so I was just really anxious, really scared around a lot of violence, around a lot of danger from the perception of a kid dependent upon his parents who were just all over the place and lots of yelling, lots of intense intensity. And so by the time I went to go to primary school, I was terrified of the world. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to go to the the scary world i was like a mama's boy that was just clinging to my mum all the time really enmeshed with her because she played the polarity role uh versus my dad who's very strict and intense and quite aggressive and my mum was very so and my dad had a big heart as well he was just he was so intense because he was so angry inside and that got projected so yeah i grew up not getting much attention from my dad and craved it and thought that if i succeeded i would get it and that led me to be an achiever where I conditionally loved myself based upon because I believe my parents condition conditionally loved me if I achieved then I was going to be loved then I was going to stay safe as a dependent kid and so like my dad spent a lot of time at the back we had this shed and spent a lot of time in there you know stealing and, and all this he kind of lived out there and he would come in at dinner time and then dinner was just like a really stressful time because he was massive on etiquette and he was really frustrated all of the time. So he'd be eating food. And if you bit the fork or you, your shoulder, uh, your elbows were on the table or you made a noise when you drank your water, he'd smash the table. And so it was just like so much fear. So I was like, when I spent time with him, there's so much intensity around getting every single thing right. Am I eating it right? Am I, am I sitting up straight? Am I being too loud? And so I was always vetting my own performance essentially how am i showing up can i just be myself and just chill and just be lovable for who i am i didn't believe that was true i'd also knock on his door out in the shed all the time try to get him to play footy with me and when we finally maybe one in ten times he went all right we'll go out and have a kick he's hardcore critiquing me the whole time so i was like man the reason he doesn't want to play with me is because i'm not good enough and so i just tried to get good at things so i was a hardcore little like i had a chip on my shoulder and i wanted not from like a F the world kind of thing, but I'm going to prove that I'm valuable to my parents. And so I would, at like eight years old, I was like, had guns. I'd like, I used to do a hundred push-ups every day and hundred sit-ups and take myself for a 5k run when I was like seven and eight years old. So I was like a really crazy athlete, like really fast. And I was just the best at everything. I'm not even exaggerating. I won the academic award. I went state cross country, state football, just, just good at everything, basketball, cricket, every, everything. Um, even art, I won the art award. <laughs> so it's like I won the art award, academic award, sports awards. It's like, what the hell? Because I was just trying to achieve with every single thing. And I was so socially scared. Even when I was uh, in grade four, which is I was 10 years old, my goal was to get a scholarship to a private school. And that wasn't like something that was my parents told me to do. None, no one else went to private school from where I was from. But I just met, I heard of a kid doing it. And I was like, this kid got a scholarship to a private school. I want to do that because it's just anything I can do to achieve. 
there's always this like a lingering idea that I'm going to do something with my life and I'm going to be something. And it started unhealthy. But I really believe that you've got the ego on one polarity. You've got isness or the quantum or the absolute or pure being and awareness, like the spiritual realm on the other polarity. And then right at the junction point, the crossover, you have your soul. And so my ego's script is to be like really a nice guy, mama's boy, uh, it's achieving. And so those things are coming from a wounded place. Then on the other polarity, you've got the, the spiritual and conscious realm drifting in and, and intersecting with the heart to make those ego wounds soul-led. And I believe that my mission is to help people go out there and kick ass doing what they love in the world and really have these deep, beautiful connections with their, their loved ones and their partners because that's kind of my ego personality that formed into my soul based on my upbringing at that point. Pivotal time when I was 13, though, my mum left and I just woke up one morning, hear my dad screaming to the phone, what do you mean you're not coming back? So overnight she packed all her stuff and got out and she got with a guy from, she was trying to recover. So she was going to Alcoholics Anonymous and my dad obviously felt very threatened by that because he didn't want to change. She was changing and that had been happening for a long time. And she finally had the courage to leave. She was suicidal though. And then once she left, my dad was suicidal. And myself and my sister stayed with my dad, who was just not very nice to be around for the next few years. And then I left home. I was like super anxious at that point. The confidence that I'd conditionally built up through primary school by being good at things. Because at the start of primary school, I used to cry every day before school. And the principal had to rip me off my mom's arms. I would not go to school. I did not want to be there. I was so scared of other people. And by the end of it, I was more confident because I'd achieved and people kind of wanted to be around me and it was kind of a fake confidence, but I was still there. And then once my mom left, when I was at the end of year seven, my first year at high school, straight, like all my confidence went again. It was almost like I was that kid wanting to get ripped off from my, like it was being, the principal was ripping me from my mom's arms. That, that kid came back and I just hang out about by myself. I was super scared. I had three girlfriends at the first half of year seven. And kind of in there socializing, confident, doing my thing. And then uh, right after my mum left, I didn't really talk to girls for the next three or odd years. I was terrified of girls. It was like a wound for my mum. Terrified of the cool kids. I was just, my sports results, academic results, everything that gave, that gave me value in myself that I taught to, I was taught to believe makes me valuable went. So I was just feeling like a piece of crap. And then by the end of uh, high school, I left home and moved out and lived with a friend and then lived with my mom. And yeah, man, essentially I got to the end of high school and slowly started, I, man, big pinnacle time for me. This is a gratitude point right here. 16 years old, I played golf as my escape because I went from being good at team sports and was like, I don't want to be around other people. Started playing golf, got really good at golf. And that was my escape. I'd go on the course after school, before school, get up in the dark, cab catch public transport with my golf clubs on, practice before, after. And this guy from the golf course took an interest in me and he essentially said one day, if you shoot this, this certain score, I'm going to buy you an iPod for your birthday. And I was like, what? That's sick. Like for me at that point, we, we didn't have much money. It was like an iPod. That'd be amazing. So shot this score, go into the clubhouse a few weeks later, get this iPod, go home to load music on it. And he's already put a bunch of music on it. And it's like artists. And I was like, who the hell is this musician, Tony Robbins? Never heard of this thing before. And I start listening. I'm like, he's speaking. He's not even singing. What is this? I had no idea. 16 years old. 
then I started listening and I was like, wow, I didn't even know what he looked like. I thought he's a big black guy to begin with because his voice is so deep. Yeah. And um, just listened to it before school, during school, after, after school. And I started going, holy crap, I don't have to be a victim of my circumstance. I just thought I was a follower, thought I was a nobody, and I thought I was just doomed for that. And even though there was this little spark left within me, I wasn't accessing it. And then I was like, man, I can do something with my life. Like, Because I always was just hoping that could I trade if I was willing to do things other people aren't, could that make make me make something of myself? I was like, oh, maybe not. And then he he told me that I could, and so it's like all these seeds started getting planted. But I was so pinned into a certain uh, personality type and a way that I perceived others to see me at high school. I had so many anchors to being this follower and being quiet, and being nervous. That the moment that I finished high school, I was like, man. I just wasted so many years being scared, anxious, depressed, low, just feeling like I'm taking up space in the world. Stop that. I'm, I've got, I'm not going to regret any longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to tackle all my fears. I literally went out there and I just, everything that scared me, I did. So I went and started public speaking, which was my biggest fear by a million miles. I joined a public speaking club, got a sales job. I moved to another state. I did a male script show. I went clubbing sober and just like learned how to talk to chicks. And then I became a dating coach and I built a business, cold calling tradies to sell them websites. And then it's just everything started happening from on the other side of fear for me. And uh, that's, that's the, that's the first big chapter of my, my life, man. I love that. Like that. I love that. How you just went and squared off with all your fears. And I can relate to that because I did that. I did this this year as well, where I, I play the opposite game. And I, you know, I have like, I had like a six week period where I play the opposite game. It's like, whatever you don't want to do, you just go do it. Oh, the opposite game. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. And it's what so are some me- of the big things you did? I'm sitting in it. <laughs> a podcast. I left my construction business and I started podcasting. Dude, congrats, man. I was listening to Joe Rogan yesterday on like a motivational video on YouTube. He was talking about starting up as a podcast, kind of like a passion project and didn't, didn't really know if it was going to go anywhere. Now it's the biggest podcast in the world. So yeah, it's, anything can happen, man. Great it, job. It's crazy, hey. And I, um, yeah, I love that story that you just like, like the iPod about like, ha- and having Tony Robbins on it. Like that man, like whoever gave that to you, like that's such an important thing as a kid, like to be able to have access to listen to someone like Tony Robbins on your iPod and be like, mm. holy shit, that guy, he would have cemented. And I guess gave you so much good knowledge and insight that was really good foundational um, base for you. And I guess that's where you were going to lead into the next chapter of your life where you probably did very well. Yeah. Yeah, I did do really well, really well. And it was definitely from this basis of doing things oppositely. Mm. And it's interesting at that time because as a, as a youngster, all I knew was what I was taught by my parents and teachers. And so that's just, my whole reality so the idea of these books like i read richard branson's book when i was younger and tony robbins it all sounded so exciting and cool but i felt like i was so skeptical of it at the same time i was like it's too good to be true because all i know i know what i know all of the realities around me is x y and z drug abusive household don't go to uni just live a normal life and and the way that people perceived me. So this idea that I could go out there and do these weird things like wake up in the morning, take myself for a walk, be breathing and doing affirmations. And 
it was kind of like I felt like a weirder because I was, it was so different to what I was used to, and it re- represented such a small majority of what a, a small minor, minority of, of what I'd experienced in life. I felt like that was woo-woo and out there, and it was like a hope. It was just like a hope, but it was a, not a very high chance. Like I felt like a gimmick, like it was a gimmick, and this is reality, this normal life, mediocrity, and then Tony saying this stuff, I was like, it doesn't work. Is it true? Can it happen? And not many people around me, because I hadn't found my tribe or an environment of people that were making it in business, not many people could could show me that it did. And so I was looking for validation all over the place. Like I went to my, my, um, my extended family and I was like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to start a business, blah, blah, blah. And my mum kicked me out of home when I was 18. I ended up meeting, like seeing her again because I didn't see her for like three or four years. I started seeing her in my late teen, teens again. Moved in with her and her and her new husband just were, they made it their mission to try to convince me to not be an entrepreneur. And it was multiple times I'd sit around a table like what I'm sitting on right now and have them having done research throughout the day on how my ideas wouldn't work and sat, sit me down and say, this isn't going to work. You can't pursue this. this. And I would just cry and I'd be like, well, fuck, I don't, I don't know if it's going to work either, but I got to at least try. And they're like, no, you can't. It's too risky. I've been in there. I've done it. I've tried business. It doesn't work and stuff like this. And I didn't have like a huge environment of people saying the opposite. So it was so demeaning for me. It was so demotivating and, and, and so, yeah, so much grief associated with that. Then I went to my first ever seminar at 18, got back super pumped, like possibility, like things are possible. I just met a tribe of people that can do things that are into, into entrepreneurship. I get home and I when I rock up at, back to my mum's house all my bags are packed on the front porch and she kicked me out because she didn't want me to get into entrepreneurship so I literally had my mum fucking kick me out of home for wanting to be an entrepreneur and I was paying to live there and I hadn't seen her for what years so that that made me feel I, I wasn't angry I was upset I was like I'm not lovable again it like really hit me deep in terms of like a wound around the feminine of not being worthy and not being lovable and I moved in with my nan who was the one person that's really supported me from my family saying you can do it. Everyone else, no one else is really supportive. And she, she didn't know. She was like super low socioeconomic, just smoked in the house, faded away really young, died you, of lung cancer. Just quickly, yeah. do you think that when you left, like your mother kicked you out, do you think that really kind of lit a fire under you in a way? Like to prove them wrong at that time? Not her, yeah. but I did have my grandma make fun of me in front of all her friends saying like laughing at the idea that I want to be an entrepreneur that that they both really upset me my mum didn't light a fire under me I didn't want to prove her wrong I just felt really upset and sad about it but my grandma really hurt me and and pissed me off at the same time because she tried to humiliate me in front of her friends on Christmas right after I'd written her a poem to say how much I loved her and I was just like fuck you and I went to see all my extended family I spent like days writing a personal poem for every single family member to show how much I loved them and cared about them and I just got met with so much fucking resistance from my family and I was just that yeah then I was like yeah I am going to prove you wrong um, which wasn't I don't think it was the big factor that made me successful but it was it was definitely I, I did want to prove her it was wrong a good driving point or it was it a big driving point yeah well for me to be honest with you all the everything that I was driven by was the need to appease my parents not directly like oh, I want my mum to take me back but subconsciously at a deep level I wanted 
to be well because usually for a man's psychology and if you I don't know you're into masculinity and stuff you read about initiations from boyhood to manhood and what happens in a tribal culture across all corners of the globe in the way that just homo sapiens learnt to to grow up and mature men boys were taken by the men away from their mums with their mums screaming and crying being like don't take him I love him so much please he's my boy whereas with me I was abandoned by my mum at 13 and I was kicked out at 18 and she's got no regard for who I am as a man so that hit me deep because it's the opposite whereas I was like calling her I was like mum you said I wouldn't make my business work and now I'm making thirty, forty thousand dollars a week like can you see I'm worthy of love now? And she just wouldn't even respond to it. Just completely ignore all parts of me and who I had become. And this is like 22 years old. Just so I say, say, look, you said I couldn't do it, but I've done it. Will you love me now? Ignored. So that's, that was more of the, the thing. Mm. It, it, it cut really deep, that, that wound. Yeah, you st- sure. spent a lot of time get, trying to get validated. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 100% man my whole psyche was me programmed to believe that my self-worth was conditional upon whether I'm succeeding or not Ooh. and I'm like you know, so I'm super interested like because I didn't know you like all of your story um what yeah. business did you get into yeah man so from like I cold cold sold websites to tradies I experimented with lots of different businesses about 10 different businesses from the age of like 18 to 21 and uh, SaaS products where I built a, a web builder for personal training, uh, trainers. I had multiple different digital agencies and, and I was doing quite good in digital uh, at 21 with a team of eight people and selling websites and big web systems and stuff like this. But it never really hit me in my core. I was always looking, for, I did the dating coaching business as well, but I just knew wasn't, that wasn't my purpose, but I did enjoy it. So when I was 21, I, I did this, uh, there was a bunch of things that happened all at the same time to ignite a fire of what I really wanted to do, which is deep down to become a speaker. And so my friend is into personal development. My best friend, Ricky, is such an amazing person. And his family is into personal development. And I looked at their family like that is the golden family. It's such a thick family. And me and Ricky were the same age. We met at a seminar and his parents had just attended this event where one of the activities was to write out your own eulogy. What are you going to be remembered for when, when you die? And I've always been, had always less than it so now, but I'd always really been scared of death. And so when I wrote out my own eulogy and I was thinking about what are people going to say at my funeral, all of a sudden this idea of making it being successful, just it, it left. It was like the success, I just want to touch people's lives. I don't think, and this is still from an egocentric perspective, but I, I wanted people to be at my funeral and I wanted them to be like, this guy touched my life. Like he changed my life. He helped me. It was like a very love centered thing that I wanted. I wanted people to be at my funeral and miss me. You know, like this guy was incredible. He changed my life, not how successful I was, how much money I had. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm making a lot of money now doing this digital agency thing. But if I died in a year's time or if I died in six months or if I died now, I wouldn't have that deep spark within me having been ignited to make a difference in the world because Tony made a difference in my life so profoundly from his tapes from personal power and showing me the possibility and really giving me the encouragement that it's possible. And I was like, imagine if I could do that for others, but it was such a far future. So I was just thinking I have to be 30, 35, 40, 
having, having made tens of millions of dollars and actually be a success to be able to do what I love. And I was like, but if I died in six months time, I would massively regret not having the chance to do what I love. So I was like, stop this. I threw everything in. I, I, I put all my money in, which I'd saved up into shutting this digital agency down. I had like 20, 30 web projects on. I got a web manager in to manage out the ones that, that I, that I couldn't refund. And then I refunded, gave all my money back for those who I could refund. And I just started day one, no money straight into doing my dream thing. I invested in a $50,000 mentor, which put me into like back me into a corner where I had to fight my way out. And I was like, fuck this. I'm going after my dreams. And I was so afraid of taking action at this point. I was like, I have to desensitize myself to this because I was scared of posting on social media at that point. I thought the people at school that kind of judged me and bullied me were going to do it, do the same again. I was like, screw that. Like, I've got to get out there. So I committed to doing a seminar every week until I broke through financially in this new business. And I borrowed 5K for the deposit of this 50K program. I had $1,000 coming out of my account a week. So I had to make sales like straight away. And so I ran a seminar my first week expecting it just to be an absolute blowout. I got five sales selling from stage. I did a two-hour event, went for five hours, three hours overtime, <laughs> and made five sales selling from stage at $1,000 each so I could pay my first week's installment of this program. Then week two, I replicated the same thing, another five sales. And then week three, I doubled my price. Week four, I doubled it again. And then I never made, I never in that business ever made less than 5K a week, which was just like unbelievable to me. And yeah, did the million dollars in 10 months, essentially selling people to help them improve their business. My experience was marketing. I'd always been good at sales because I used to cold call tradies when I was 18, 19. So I learned to be good at sales. Got good at marketing through doing the digital stuff. And I was like, what if, if I just help life coaches? help people that help other people that's such a sick niche and i did that and i built that into like a mini empire you could say we had like a multi-million dollar business i did eight figures in that business i built it up real fast we had 25 full-time staff it was pretty incredible like it was a sick it was a cool made up no rules everything's out the window now i can just do whatever i want with the culture so we had like pajama tuesday onesie wednesday like it was sick we had table tennis room we just did whatever we wanted and changed lives and were damn serious about it and it was incredible like i look back at what i achieved there and i was like wow that seriously i even am impressed myself with that big time because if you'd known me right before launching that business and then you saw who i had become a couple of years after launching it i was just a completely different person so much more confident going after what I wanted. And then I had everything, everything that I wanted. I met the love of my life, had a supercar, four-story house, could just travel where I wanted, didn't even think about money. You know, there were times where we were making like close to 400K a month. I did a million dollar month in sales, not cash. It was just like, it was pretty sick. Um, and I was just proving to myself that anything was possible. And, and that was amazing. And I, I really like doing my best to, give justice to what I did because I've actually, when I say what happened next, I had really started to demonize that, that journey in my life, but it, it really was incredible. But it got to a point where I started growing too fast, too fast. So this is probably five years, four or five years after launching. And I kept hitting into HR problems. I'd hire a team, grow up to 23 people, go back to 12, up to 25, down to 16, up to 20, down to 10. And it was just like, I couldn't retain stuff. And I was like, why can't I scale this fucking business? Because my self-worth was still like, I was still driven massively at this point by the need to 
feel like I'd walk into a room and feel small. I thought I was going shit. Is this how crazy it was? I thought I was going terrible in my business. I had a multi-million dollar business at age like 23, 24, 25. And I thought I was sucking at life. This is how crazy my psychology was. And so I was like, I have to scale this team. And I kept hitting problems. And I essentially got some financial. I, I just tried everything. But the underlying problem I was missing was there were, there were problems with the business model. There were problems with the product. Not, not the quality of how we run it, but the product to market fit. And so I was doing, we had the most incredible culture. Like seriously, it was such an incredible business. It was built and I had like so many different mentors helping me with everything about the back end of the business. But this is all the stuff that was happening on the surface strategically. What was going on underneath and like in the cosmos, so to speak, is that the universe was trying to teach me that it's not about success. I thought it was up until that point. I thought success helped me with the fulfillment. And that was going to make me feel I was scared of dying with regrets. And that was what was driving me massively. And obviously, the need to be validated by my parents internally, like a deep inner thing. Man, everything started to crumble down. And at the same time, I started to meditate. And I meditated. I've done a good solid two, two and a half thousand hours of meditation over the last three and a bit years. Um, I met my ex-partner, Danny, who's an incredible woman at the same time. And I was just having heaps of things crumble down around me and just it was crazy because probably a year after meeting maybe nine months after meeting Danny I went to Bali to have a week I we broke up because I was working too much I was just working 24-7 literally I never wanted to have a day off no no days seven days a week I would work and I went to broke up with Danny went to Bali as a fear challenge for my meditation teacher three days into the meditate uh this going away and just doing nothing for seven days in Bali, which was just like hell for me <laughs> to do nothing. I was like working, I was literally, I'd be up at working at 6, 7 a.m. And then I'd finish it anywhere from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. every day. So it was like pretty hardcore hustle. And then I went to Bali and did nothing. And three days in when I was driving from my first location, which was Changu, and went to Ubud and I was in a taxi on the way to Ubud. And out of nowhere, this is what space does. Like when you're really busy, you miss things. Kind of stereotypical busy businessman from a Hollywood movie and he misses his daughter's dance recital. You miss things. You get busy and you miss things. But when you create space, meditation is a potent form of space. You see things. I did nothing for three days. So out of nowhere, I just got a big wave of emotion sweep through my body and my mind in this taxi and I started bawling my eyes out. I was crying and crying and crying and I, because I had the epiphany that I'd never given myself permission to experience joy in my life. Never. And out of all that I'd achieved, I'd run retreats in Monte Carlo and Switzerland and Vegas, just everywhere. And it's, it's like traveled the world as a youngster with unlimited funds. <laughs> and I didn't take any time to appreciate it. I've been on the plane on the way back, on the way there, just brainstorming what's next. How can I improve it? What can I do? And I didn't give myself permission for joy. So I realized that whole pursuit was, was mainly driven by the need to prove myself to the world and, I was, and, and, and to myself mainly. Money never really meant anything to me. I'd put all my money back into the business because I just wanted to go bigger and bigger. It was just a recognition of myself feeling like I was dating myself so that I'd be worthy of love for my parents. So that's, that's, that's the story, man. That's a solid it's been story. A crazy journey. I'm like sitting here listening. Yeah, I'm like, pretty Holy sick, shit, yeah. That's awesome, bro. And that's a, um, I even like the bit how you're speaking about obviously being in a taxi and you had some space. I've been 
know myself been getting quite busy and working those long hours and um I did it a while ago actually it was a uh what did I, do? I went and had a day no device day I'd been busy mm. the whole COVID period and, and I'd just been on the go 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 and had no device day like no nothing no iPhones nothing wouldn't even other people around me like don't show me phone I just turned everything off went did a float sauna and everything and it reset whole day you know meditation breath work and there was so many times in my car, I just burst out laughing. I was just laughing my head off. I was like, so good. What is going on? And I just couldn't stop laughing. And I was like, this is me. This is, I'm enjoying life. And it's just because always the time I might pick up my phone, like, and not, not allowing myself to actually really enjoy what's going on. And I, and in that moment, I realized like, I've always been living in the, the, the future or the past, the present and, in the future and instead of just being actually really present in the moment and um that's yeah. what happened when i was you know when you're on these devices you're always looking at what's next or what's to come um rather than being here right now and uh yeah i just mm. stopped and i just had this really big like like you said like it was just a big flush and i was just like i didn't even know what was going on i was like Damn. i look stupid i'm sitting there there's lights and i'm just burst out laughing i was like i don't even <laughs> i just went on the window down and let it go but it's awesome. <laughs> it would have been so good if you're a pedestrian just walking some past. Yeah. This dude is just laughing out the window. <laughs> Something you would never see. People would stop and they'd start recording it on their yeah, phone. Yeah, they'd be like, what's this I guy do doing? like, I know, right? Society is so... Pro- Man, this is so crazy. Like, just think about this. If I was just walking down a busy street where there's a grocery store shopping center or I was in the middle of a, a shopping center retail shopping mall, and I was just dancing instead of walking around. People would be like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? Something's wrong with drugs. him. Something's wrong with Yeah, him. what's Straight wrong away. with this guy? Because I do this. I actually do this. I, every, every morning I go into a local area and I dance. As part of my ritual, I do a primal scream. I do a bunch of these rituals so I fuck the conditioning, go out there and be authentically myself and get to join love and power as well. And people feel me all the time. People just stop and they're just like, oh, like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I don't mind it. Like, a part of me is like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> but, it, uh, but it's just so crazy that it's film worthy because I'm just dancing. Everyone dances, but they only dance where it's socially acceptable to dance, which is on a dance floor. Like, what, what is wrong with dancing just on the, on the sidewalk? It's just so crazy. Or laughing. If you were just like, you don't see adults cracking up, cracking up and laughing very often. They're so serious. Yeah. You see kids laughing and having a good time, and then their parents will tell them off. I always got in trouble because etiquette was such a big part of like being around the dinner table. You couldn't just laugh at dinner. And then when I was getting t- told off, it was like my nervous reaction would be to laugh harder. I'd get in these laughing fits. And mm. it's like, how awesome is that? I feel like that's so celebration worthy. Like you laughing with your head out the window. That's just the best imagery ever. I this love is, that. And this is like us, like goes into another thing I want to talk about is we've been really on this lately and it's the unspoken rules. And we always like to challenge the unspoken rules. Who made up the rules say you couldn't dance? Who said that, that was a, that's a weird thing? Like, why is that not socially acceptable? Like you were out mm-hmm. there just doing your thing and such a common theme, like people are held back by these unspoken rules. Like these, like yeah. they're held back by all of these things. And they're not even law-abiding. Yeah. Like, you're not going to go to jail. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's only because yeah. society and There are has things that are breaking the law as well. Mm. A lot of things that are unusual, like that people don't do very often, is because it's become illegal as well, like walking around with your clothes on, uh, clothes off. In tribes and stuff, it's just like people don't wear clothes. <laughs> but yeah. in this society, and it's, if, if, if you've studied so, sociology or any listeners have studied sociology, they talk about collective groups that have ser- sets of norms, uh, norm, normal behavior in each, and it can be in a little collective group. Because if you went to Detroit, it'd be people on the corner, like hardcore rapping everywhere you went, doing little dance circles and stuff. That's how they express themselves. But in Melbourne or in Sydney, that, that doesn't happen mm. because it's not a social norm. And so it's tribe culture. It's because we're social humans and the collective norm is something that we need to try to fit in by because we're, our brains are programmed for survival, not thrival, if that's the word, but programmed to, to not fuck up and then get ousted by the tribe because that's the worst thing that could happen yeah. as a homo sapien in a tribe because you die in the wild. It just doesn't apply to our society yeah. and life now. It's to fit in, not, to, big, not to be like, you, you're meant to fit in, not freaking like yeah. be out. Li- then you can you, get yeah. outcasted straight away. Yeah, and then you're, you're literally bought. Yeah, you're programmed to, you're actually programmed to, because people talk about this all the time. It's like, you weren't born to fit in. You were born to, we actually were born to fit in. Like, that's, that's how we're born. We're born with a, with a whole nervous system that supports comfort and, and safety, because that's what every animal, not just humans, every animal's primary driver is survival to continue the, the uh, procreation of that species, the survival of that species. That's what we're programmed for. What do people don't think about? Why? Why am I so nervous to go after my dreams? Because mm. if you went out there and you fucked up in the tribe, then you're just out and you're going to die. And that's way more scary when, when usually food and shelter and these basic needs of human being aren't always a sure thing, whereas in our society it is. And I think Joe Rogan talks about this a lot. I'm a massive believer because I go camping by myself a bit. And whenever I do, I get so much... Like I, I can't just, you can't just Uber eats it. Like I've got to plan my food in advance. I can't just shit at a toilet. Like I've got to think of where am I going to go to the toilet? Where am I going to have a shower? What if it's raining? Where am I going to set up my tent? And these basic things that are needed for survival become a priority in my mind that I'm thinking about it. And I would think objectively, if I thought about this before experiencing it, that that's an inconvenience. It's a pain in the ass, but it's actually really fulfilling. It, it feels really good to think about where I'm going to stay. There's a sense of like pride. Like, yeah, I set up my tent. Yeah, I shat over there in the woods. Yeah. yeah, I know where I'm getting my food from. And I've planned it and I've cooked it and I'm eating it. Um, yeah. Mm, I like that. you got to get ah. outside and live your life, as I always say. Outside, especially for males, yeah. it's important to get out there. I just went on a trip recently, two weeks ago, down to Adelaide. Same thing. I was just like, I've been on my computer way too long. I looked at the flights. I was like, yeah. I can go. I'm going tomorrow. I jumped on a plane, went down fishing. When was this? Uh, last week. I got back last week. Dude, so good that starting to like, our borders are opening up. It's like free. It's like, yeah. like a dog. Like someone's left the front door open and the dog just pelts it out the front door. That, that's that's how happened. I feel right now. That's what happened. I was just looking. I was like, <laughs> Woo! I was like, I feel a little bit exhausted. I was like, you know what? I think I can go somewhere. Look, borders weren't closed. I was like, I'm pretty sure I can get to South Australia. I was like, I didn't know exactly, but yeah, got through. They checked everything. You did a border pass. And I was like, well, I'm here. Let's go enjoy it. So I went and spent, you know, two and a half weeks, three weeks just cruising around. 
um, living my best life, getting outside, yeah. eating what I caught. Um, and yeah, it's been nice. So Dude, have those resets. That's so. sick. Yeah, I love that lifestyle. How sick is that? Mm. Oh, I got a question. Yeah, Actually, I forgot to ask you about business because I'm intrigued about this as well. What were your biggest yeah. lessons coming out of business? Oh man, you do you want a stage of business? Yeah, because yeah, business yeah. Let's is a let's big base. Yeah, let's, video game. Yeah, let's break it down. I want to know some of the lessons, some of the things that you would advise to do, not to do. Because uh, this is like a, you know, I know a lot of the listens will be real fresh in here, like in starting businesses or looking to get into this as well. And um, I always like to yeah. hear like the mistakes and, and the learnings of business because that's where I learn. You know, I like, I like to hear what didn't go right. Yeah. So so the first, like business is a, is a video game. I like, I talk about this theory called the foggy staircase and this is going to be the most valuable thing for any business owner. So imagine right now you look outside your house and there's just some random staircase that just makes no sense to be there. And it's one of those ghost staircases that don't have any support. It's just like step, step, step. And it's like right in the middle of the road. It goes all the way up into the sky through the clouds. It's like infinite. This staircase just keeps going. That symbolically is your sta- staircase to, su- to success. And under the proviso that you're not a- attempting to do some business model that has never been done before, like trying to launch the next Facebook or something like that. Most businesses, like if you want to open an accounting firm or you want to start a coaching business or you want to start like a, a website or a blog or a podcast, the, these businesses are replicatable. There's demand for anything that's got demand is profitable. You just have to be less slightly, and I'm not even going to say better than others, just less shit in most cases than most businesses. Most businesses aren't run very well. Most business owners don't put in the 1% because most people don't put in the 1%. And, and business, business is just another thing that people do. So it's not hard to stand out. So under the proviso that you, you've got, you're in a space where what you're trying to do has been done before, that a lot of the time people like find the gap in the market. I'm just saying do what's been done before in your field of genius, something that excites the shit out of you and scares you at the same time. It's like, boom, that's your aligned path under the proviso, that's your staircase to success. Now, where most people go wrong with this foggy staircase is like you'll notice all of a sudden in your visual image, if you guys are like really getting into this uh, this guided visualization, imagine this staircase hit in the middle of the road, way up into the clouds, but there's just fog, fog that's just hitting this stair. It's not everywhere else, like whatever the weather's doing everywhere else is sweet. This, the staircase has just got fog all around it. And this, this staircase was the key to me breaking through and getting my first 50 clients in the first 10 weeks. It was the key to me making my first million dollars and it's the key to every entrepreneur making their first million dollars. And it's got nothing to do with strategy, nothing to do with ideas. You can throw that shit in the bin. That's what everyone wants. Oh, what's the hack? How do I hack Instagram? No, this is what you need. So this is where most people go wrong. Every single step that you take is symbolized by a revenue generating activity on this, this staircase to success. So every step, it's a revenue generating activity. That means it's something that's going to get you clients. It's going to, it's going to generate you sales. That's like the, for the first million dollars, that is the most important focus. Like 80% of your time needs to be spent on that. Where most people go wrong is they just don't take too many revenue generating activities. And the reason why is this. I want you to imagine this staircase. Every 20 steps up has a big-ass flag just planted in that step. So you're looking up now at this staircase. It's foggy. You can kind of just make out 
every 20 steps is flag, 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 nothing in between. And when you step on that first step, that's one revenue generating activity that you've done. And what most people do is most people are terrified of micro failure. The problem with that is you definitely fail in business. You either fail micro or macro. Micro is like you get rejected on a sales call or your marketing campaign doesn't work. It's something that's more situational. It's on, on, based on a revenue generating activity. Macro failure is when your whole business shuts down or you don't get enough cash flow to be sustainable doing what you love. That's a macro failure. So you either get micro or macro. But most people are terrified of micro, terrified of it. Like, let's say you're going to run a seminar. What if no one shows up? Let's say you're going to launch a new series of Facebook ads. What if they don't work? What if you pay someone to teach you how to get leads on LinkedIn and you want to do a course that's three grand and you, you try it and it doesn't get any leads? People are terrified of this micro failure. The problem with that is that you don't hit your next financial milestone, which is symbolized by those flags. Every flag, 20 steps, every 20 steps that's on the flag. You can't make out what the figure is, but there's a figure on each flag. It's like your next financial milestone. So your first flag might be two grand a week. It might be three grand a week. It might be $800 a week. It might be seven grand a week, okay? After you've done 20 revenue generating activities. Most people never even hit their first flag. Most people don't do 20 revenue generating activities because they're terrified that the meaning that they associate to every revenue generating activity, the meaning is that they weren't cut out because they're self-sabotaging and their self-worth sucks. So it's like when they do step three, and they launch a seminar and they only get three people there and no one buys their product, then they're like, I knew it. I knew I wasn't cut out for this. And I knew I shouldn't have been doing this. And they take that micro failure so personally. And so standing on step three, when they need to get to step 20 to hit their first financial milestone, their mindsets just drop them out of the, the game. Because that, and most people do this with advanced Facebook ads and funnels and stuff when it comes to online marketing. They might spend six, eight weeks launching some hardcore funnel. They've paid all this money to learn from the top marketers around the world that they use Infusionsoft and set up these complex landing pages and hardcore video production videos. Put so much effort in, six weeks to get this one funnel launch, one step, and it doesn't work. Why? Because you suck at marketing because you've, you've never done it before. And then they're one step up, demotivated as hell. They just feel so deflated because like, that they thought they were hoping that micro action was going to lead to a micro success and that was going to pr like validate that their whole macro dream is possible. But it's, it, it's not how it works. 20, 20 steps. 20 steps you get a flag. 20 steps you're hitting 5K a week. You might hit 19 and not have any results. And so what happens is most people, if you dissect one step and you've got like the vertical aspect of that individual step and you've got the horizontal forward moving action, uh, piece of that other step on the vertical is the action and on the horizontal most people associate results it's like cool i've acted now i should get results from that micro action that that word results or outcome needs to it, it just needs to be thrown in the bin it is the most destructive destabilizing thing that screws more business owners than anything else so once you once you rub that results aspect of each step out and you substitute it for progress that's when shit starts to happen because you're, that's all you're getting. You're just getting progress between zero and 20. And so imagine it like a video game now in your visual kind of representation of the staircase. And in, instead of just like seeing step, 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 you see like a little bubble 
hovering above every single step. And it's either red with a minus on it or it's green with a plus on it, meaning that micro action either failed and it didn't work. You didn't get any leads. You didn't get any sales. Nothing happened from that seminar. Nothing happened from that LinkedIn strategy. Nothing happened from that joint venture partnership. It's just a minus red. Or you got a couple of sales. You got some, some stuff. And it's a positive, it's a, it's a positive thing, green, and it's hovering above it. it the, the flags don't change based on whether you've got reds or, or greens there because it takes time to learn. So you might, your staircase might be like red, negative, red, negative, red, negative, red, negative, positive, uh, green, positive, green, positive, red, negative, green, positive, green, positive. And it's just going to be a combos of wins and failures all the way up to 20 and beyond. But so many people are just wanting green, positive, green, positive green positive and they're terrified they get a red negative that means that they're out and as a result they move so slowly to their first checkpoint they never even get most of the time to their first checkpoint that they're out of cash by the time they even get there because they're just not doing anything that's going to yield returns so for me in my first 12 months i probably did 250 uh steps got up probably 250 steps nearly one a day nearly one a day so what it looked like for me is anything and everything was like, I'm going to launch a webinar. I'm going to launch a, a I run a seminar a week. I'm going to um, set up a joint venture partnership. I'm going to hire some just like young kids to go to networking events, bring people to me for me to pitch them. And if I close and they get a commission, I'm going to go to networking events myself. I'm going to speak at other people's networking events. I'm going to start my own meetup group. Just everything. I'm going to message people online. I'm going to get other people messaging people online for me, bringing them to me. I'm going to do referrals. I'm going to do workshops. I'm going to go to, into MLM groups and speak to their teams and motivate them and pump them up. And then I'm going to bring people into sessions and sell them from there. I just did everything. And it took me six months to get any sales from online marketing. All of it came from manual hustle. It was like 150 sales or something my first six months. So that's why most people fail, man. And every single other little piece of strategy or theory outside of that concept of like being courageous to take these steps, detached, looking for progress and being willing to hit your milestone every 20 steps doing revenue generating activities, everything outside of that is a waste of fucking time to listen to. You don't need to learn anything else. You need to get out there and you need to be taking action. If you can do that, you will definitely be sick. You, you won't just be a sure thing that your business is going to be successful. You will make a lot of finances. You'll be very well off. And people ask you, how did you do it? And you will just tell them the same thing that I just told you then. Mm, yeah, I'm getting from that, like, just it's important to fail. It's important to fail. That's I, it's important to fail and fuck things up. I yeah, feel man. like that's that's a mistake that I feel a lot of people are are so afraid of. Oh, what if I fuck it up? Yeah. And you're just like your analogy is like just do it all the time. Break it down. You're gonna win some, you're gonna have some losses. Um yeah. just keep etching at it. It's so much harder. It's so much harder to fail irregularly than it is to fail regularly. So it's way harder if you're not failing very often than it is if you're failing all the time because you get used to it and it's not a big deal anymore. If you run a seminar once a week, then you desensitize yourself to the fear of rejection and social judgment for not having people rock up because you're doing it every week. And I found this because I did seminars every week. I mean, if I didn't do one for a month, by the time that, that month came along to do the seminar again, I was really nervous all of a sudden. There's lots of pressure because that desensitization is worn off and it's a big deal again for me. And so it's, it's like a very all or nothing thing to take this. And, and anyone that crushes it in business does what I just mentioned. They, they might not know it. They might not frame it into a model like that, but they do it. And, and they do it really well. And um, meaning really messily, really decisive. Decis decisive mess 
is like one really important concept that I talk about. Just the idea of being really decisive and really messy with everything you do when you start. The other concept I talk about is having lots of radical responsibility, lots of self-responsibility married with lots of self-kindness. So can you be honest with yourself without like taking away from your own love of self at the same time? Can you be decisive and messy? If you get all four of those little pieces together, like radical kindness, lots of decisiveness, lots of mess, lots of self-accountability, it, it's just so, it's so easy to crush it. But if you're doing it just here and there, I'm just going to do an action here, a little bit of action in a few weeks' time, every action you're doing feels like you're about to you know, do the scariest thing you've ever done in your entire life. Whereas if you're doing it all the time, it's, no, no, it's like the gym. If you work out once every three weeks, you've got doms every time. Yeah. Like two, three days after, you're just going to be in pain, like ridiculous pain. When you get through that, then you're always growing and it's not, you don't get hardcore doms anymore. It's kind of like a manageable amount of doms. Mm. The same in business. I want to shift into life as well. Cause, and I love all those analogies. And that's, I know there's, like I'm listening, I'm like, shit, there's some value in, in what you're saying there. Um, but yeah. there's the flip side as well, like looking after your own personal, mental, emotional health. Uh I guess what is one of your biggest, a couple of your biggest learnings and um, I guess advice around that? Yeah, because yeah, that's man. a balance. Like there's, there's both. We could talk for hours on this stuff, eh? Yeah. Let's just try to drop some really key. So Deepak Chopra says health is measured by your energy. If you're energized, you're healthy. If you don't have much energy, you're unhealthy. That's like the litmus test. Like you go to a doctor and there's all these like real micro intellectual measures of your health. Your blood pressure is this. You know, you, you got to look at your pH levels, this. But you can just look at yourself and just go, am I energized or not? If you're really energized, you're really healthy. If you're a little bit energized, you're a little bit healthy. If you're kind of pretty normal, you're normal health. If you don't have much energy, you're low health. And so, like, vitality, health, the feeling, for me, that's, like, the quality of your life. What Tony would say, Tony Robbins would say, the quality of your life is the quality of the experiences and the emotions you feel moment to moment. That's true. I want to feel good. I want to feel good. And I think the biggest, most important thing that is kind of like the 80-20, like the 20%, the, the small thing that makes a huge difference. We could fix all the micro aspects to living a, a balanced, fulfilling life, and there's so many different pieces we could go into, and I'm obsessed with all those hacks. But if you're off path, like if you're, if you're out of alignment with what you know in your heart you desire to be doing, if you're in a relationship with someone that you know in your heart's not right for you, those those two things are going to be – you're not going to counter it by eating more greens. Like if you're going to a job you don't like and then you're really healthy and you go into the gym and all this stuff, it doesn't matter. You could be some guy that's in pure alignment eating crap and he'd be more healthy than you because so much of your health comes down to the quality of your, your mind, your state of being, and that determines like – whether the stress hormones being fired through your body like crazy or not, and that determines whether cancer, like you've got a toxic environment for cancer to grow in, in vitality to throw, or, or, or not, and for you to be really vital and energized and alive. And so you being on your dream path is the most important thing. And I, I, I believe the purpose of life is fulfillment, which is a combination of love and growth. And I think the thing that is the, the junction, like the, the thing that ties that together, the growth and the love, is courage. I, I really do. I think courage is the secret to living a fulfilled life because 
if you look at the Latin etymology of the word courage and break it down, core, which is where courage comes from, means heart. So it takes heart to be courageous and get in alignment. And a lot of people are either really in the material in this world and trying to intellectually set up a life that's materially wealthy and disconnected from their heart. And a lot of people are like really into spirituality and they embrace these uh, whole like well-being practices and whatnot, but they don't have the, the discipline to then get them themselves and do what they have to do to be living a, a really aligned life. And there's this beautiful quote that says, flow, most people want flow. They want to be going, moving, momentum, growth, flow, and in a seamless, loving, fulfilled, full way. Flow is the junction point between discipline and surrender. And I really feel like your heart is the key to that. Because intuition, intuition is, is like what gives you the signal of what you should do next, like your most aligned next step. And intuition's whole purpose is growth. That's what it leads you to. Intuition, the purpose of intuition, for every, not just humans, but intuition, the universe's internal signal for you of what to do next, and all living things and everything, is just evolution. That's like a one constant change, growth, evolution of this whole planet. Like when this planet started, there were single cell organisms at one point. We're multi-billion cell organisms now, meaning that these single cell organisms started to, to duplicate and become more dynamic and complex. And over time now, we're so diverse and complex, the only constant has changed in evolution. It's the same for you put into a micro scale of you as a human being. So intuition is the path. It is what leads you to growth. Its purpose is growth and evolution. And the only way you can grow is by entering the unfamiliar. So a lot of spiritual people say, you know, I'm more in that alignment and flow, but they don't have any discipline. They don't have the courage and the heart to be able to take that mandatory, uncomfortable next step, which is the intuitive piece. Like your heart is guiding you to your next step. You know, deep within you, you want to do, like you want to start that business. You want to tell that person you love them. That pull to get you to, it's always uncomfortable because it's always unfamiliar. If it was, it was, in, if it was familiar, which is the ego's job, it replicates the past and looks for dangers to avoid from the past. It's a past player. In Vedic wisdom, the intellect is known as the historian, and I interchange ego and intellect together. It's the historian. It's jobs to look backwards. Intuition looks forward. If you've just got your ego and your intellect guiding the show, all it does is control things. That's how it stays safe. That's why I go for success from my ego, because I know if I do, my parents will like me more, and that's my, my strategy. That's not what my heart's yearning and calling me forward for. My heart's always calling me to growth, which means it's always calling me to steps that I've never done before, which means it's always uncomfortable, which is always fear-based, which means that courage for me is the most important thing for you to live the most fulfilled life because it is heart-led, it causes alignment, and it, it leads to growth, which is the one of the key purposes to fulfillment in life, and it keeps you in alignment, in flow. And so all those pieces, I know it's com a complex topic, but if you just take one thing from it, aligned discomfort, aligned discomfort, not just go out there and do everything that's scary so you can hustle and make heaps of money. No, like for me at the moment, my most aligned thing is to not give a shit about money. Like I've got these success bull crap ideals around what if I have a business that's doing less than a couple of million a year? And I know for a fact that anyone that's been successful before and loses it, struggles 
10 times harder than someone that's trying to be successful the first time because they've got something to lose. They've got an image or something attached. So I know what it's like. I'm, 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 doesn't always have to be money based. Aligned discomfort. What do you, what, this is a perfect way to put it. What excites and scares you equally? There's an apex point with what excites and scares you at a high level. What excites you the most and scares you the most. That's your aligned discomfort. That's your next intuitive step. That's what your heart wants you to do. If this is comfortable and you've already done it before, like I'd be comfortable Netflixing and chilling it and I'd probably have a great time as well, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be fulfilling for me. It might bring me some joy or some comfort, but it's not fulfilling. Fulfilling is the junction point between that excitement and that fear because that tells you where's that unknown, where's that growth. And, and that's your aligned discomfort. Discomfort, that's, that's where your fulfillment lies. I love that, bro. The excitement and the fear. That's your, yeah. That's, I've never had anyone break it down like that and put that. And um, it's intuition. I follow my intuition on everything. It's like when you're. Yeah. What a mad dog. It's, it's, Not many people do, right? And then I catch myself sometimes. I'm like, okay. Okay, there, yeah, that's my intuition. I'm like, let's let's go it. Let's run it. it that's what's happening. And I never, never not go against it. But, uh, you know, there's definitely been times in my life when I've gone against it. Um, but stepping out of that into the next phase, I want to, because we're getting close to the hour, what, do you, what have you got on at the moment? Um, I know you're transitioning into some new stuff. What have you got for us at the moment as far as uh, what you've got on in business and lifestyle? You want to know so I can push people to my stuff? Yeah, you yeah. want to know just because you're interested? Yeah, no. Yeah, oh. yeah, me as well. Like, what have you got on? Because like we were speaking yeah, about yeah, it briefly, sick, yeah. So, what kind of programs you got on? Like, what what's out there? Yeah, what have you got on at the moment. So, at the moment, I've got a I've got a workshop in a few weeks' time. It's all about mastering courage and fear, and I'm pumped for that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be writing a book on on courage, which I'm really excited about because it's what I realized. It is the only thing that creates results is action, and the only thing that stops people from taking action is fear. But no one teaches it. I don't know if you know any people that are like experts on fear. Mm-mm. The crazy thing is, like, you know, we, we know like Joe Rogan, we know like Jason Silver, we know like uh, Ty Lopez and Tony Robbins and all these, these, I don't know anyone that teaches fear. And I, I realize it, I really feel like it's on my heart's mission. And it's a scary leadership position to play because that means I'm, I have to be leading it big time in the fear department. I've done so many fear challenges over my time, but it always scares me. Every single action that I take scares me every single time, but I've created a relationship with fear and courage that's different. I really feel like it's my purpose because it is the only thing that holds people back, but there's no one teaching it because it's fucking hard to teach because it's just unavoidable. And so it's changing your relationship to it that makes a big difference. And I've spent the last, since I was like a terrified, anxious scared to talk to girls, scared to socialize dude in my teenage years to now just literally knowing I can do fucking anything, anything that my heart desires, not anything outside of that. This is is a funny quote because in the personal development world, everyone says you can do anything you set your mind to. Um, I disagree. I think you can do anything you set your heart to because what happens is is if you go after something that you set your mind to, because intellectually society's told you that you should do this business or you should become an accountant. You know, eventually there's going to be some karmic consequences that the universe from a place of love gives you in, ex- in, in return for not following your heart. So it's going to, you will get consequences, whether it's depression, whether it's feeling really 
um, disappointed in yourself, whether it's just losing money or failing. Like I got karmic consequences for taking my business, my business's chief aim from being a service and being aligned with what I love to do. I changed it to profit and scaling. And it's the moment I started to do that, like I got feedback and I ignored it and then things got more and more destructive. Anyway, alignment's important. But what I've got up is coming up is a five-hour workshop that's $500. And I'm going to be essentially taking a small, it's a little bit of, it's my first workshop. Doing I, I always did it with my clients anyway when I had my 250 plus clients in, in my 20K program in the past. Always was working on this with people, but I never really just taught that alone because anyone that masters those things will just crush it and anyone that doesn't will just stay stuck Mm. but no one teaches it so i'm really excited about it because it's it is like it's a pretty accelerating and it's pretty nerve-wracking and there's a lot of uh there's a lot of emotions there's a lot of energy around that Mm. yeah man I, i really feel like that's that's the next the next focus for me and so, yeah, you dude, we get a lot, anyone we get, anyone that wants to crush it in business, because what I'm going to do in the workshop, right, is just extract one by one, everyone's like aligned path, like everyone has it within them, they don't have to go and research it in there, it doesn't have, like, there's no time needed to access it, just extract everyone's, it, I didn't even talk about the foggy staircase's main thing, the fog is the fact that you can't see steps two, three, four, five, six, in a lot of cases, mm. you can't even see what the flag says. So it's like, you don't need to, like once you get to the first step, then you can see the second. Once you get to the second, you can see the third. And then I'm just going to force people to take a bunch of action during the workshop. It's like the things that scare them the most are just going to do there in the, in the scope. Like I'll send people away and be like, cool, you got to go and hire that person. Or you got to go out there and you got to launch that ad or whatever it is, just like do it. Or, and and what I, one thing I talk about a lot is the idea that willpower and motivation is, is a, a finite resource. And so my secret weapon over time, because I'm not always productive, I'm not always like, uh, yeah, using my time very well. In fact, I've wasted so much time. It's just like my personality, I get bored really easily. I waste a lot of time. It's just who I am. And I've succeeded such a high level from this concept of I use willpower to make decisions that outlast the motivation or the willpower. So if I'm feeling motivated, I'll make a call that, forces the action for the next six months like when i want to get my health together at one point this guy's like yeah this is a boot camp thing and my friend was running the boot camp and i was like dude how much is it what's the deal and he's like this and this he's like just bring uh 50 bucks cash a week and that, that'll be sweet and i was like i can't do that man i'm not gonna be there in week three or four because i can just not attend i'm like yeah you need to sign me up for six months like why the hell would i like and then i don't even have to think about whether i'm going to go or not it's yeah. done. It's done. Six you're, months, you're committed. Six months. Yeah. Yeah. And I want that. I don't want to be trying to use, like, come up with willpower every day about whether I'm going to go to the gym. I just want to rock up. So it's a hack. I did the same thing when I wanted to get good at videos. I hired a full-time videographer. Which, <laughs> well, so imagine this. Terrified of video. Just like procrastinating on doing a video of any kind. And then I was like, man, I just came up with the idea. It's like, how do I handle this? Well, I know what I do. I I use my willpower to make decisions to outlast. So I was like, imagine if I hired someone full time to follow me around with a camera. And that's what I did. <laughs> and I got so good at video. I did like over a thousand videos in a year. And I had a video that got 2 million views. And it was one of the things that really made a big difference in my business. And it was the thing that excited me. And it excited me a lot. It scared me probably slightly more than it excited me. But it was amazing. And so 
you know, that's what I'll get people to do as well. Like, what are the things that you could do that would keep, and it might be having a signed agreement with a friend that if you don't do X, Y, and Z every week for the next six months, every week that you don't do it, it's like a signed contract in an email or something, you could be given 500 bucks or a thousand bucks. And it's just like, cool, next six months, then I have to think about it. You're just going to do it. You're not going to pay out 500 bucks. I once paid my sister a thousand bucks to eat a Mars bar. Oh, <laughs> I was like craving chocolate so bad, and I'd already made that deal, and I was like, "Fuck it, expensive Mars bar." Uh, I only had one because I didn't didn't want to waste too much money on this these Mars bars. <laughs> these sort of deals can be so helpful. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing at the workshop. So okay. if if anyone's interested, which if you're not, get it like snap out of it because the only reason someone wouldn't want to do it is because they're scared of breaking through and they're like. If I because sh- if you show up, you're done. Like you're gonna crush it. It's just <laughs> you, you, if you change that relationship with fear, you're gonna crush it. So mm. yeah, I'll PM like, me on Insta and I'll try to save your spot. Yeah, and I'll put everything down in the description and the links below as well um, because this will be coming in the next couple of days, so it'll be well before um, your course launches or your workshop launches as well. Sick. So sounds perfect. The, I guess the last couple of things I want to ask. Always ask this. So. Let's say I'll give you one wish. You could change anything in the world. What would it be? Bigger penis. Bigger no, penis? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a normal size. I can't give you that. Um, <laughs> what would you change? Oh, I'm going to actually, because I hate it when, because I used to ask people similar questions when I used to run the podcast and people would be like, you know what? I wouldn't change anything. And I'm like, shut up and answer the yeah, question. Yeah, you know you would. So I'm going to think about it. <clears throat> I just would have trusted my gut sooner on things because we always know. Sometimes we bury it and we forget, we pretend not to know, but there's two relationships I stayed in. The first one for two or three years longer than I knew that it wasn't right. And then my recent relationship and this lady standing is like one of my really good friends, but I knew that it wasn't right. So did she for a period of time. And and we just stayed in because we were just trying to muscle around our intuition, which like pushed through. We knew and even when I finally made the call for her, she's like, thanks for having the courage to do that for us. That's the response. Because we both knew. So we just loved each other so much and blah, blah, blah. Insert excuses. But it, it, it robbed us of our, our next growth. Mm. You know, and so if I could change anything, it would be not just relevant to that, but any time where I knew something in my heart and in my gut was wrong and I was still doing it or right and I wasn't doing it, I, you know, I wish I had this, the courage to do it sooner and I've been pretty courageous but still that's my biggest thing I would change Ooh. good question I love it I love it and then my last question is uh, do you have like a some I guess words of wisdom or a phrase or a caption that you live by like is it something that you say to yourself on the day um, or something that motivates you yeah so many you know what I'm going to uh, to mention act and act an activity that I think would be super valuable for everyone to do that involves three questions. That would be a really cool piece to finish with. Unless you yeah, you know, hunt, I'm happy, hey, go for happy it. to hit them. So, so most of the time we go through this life and we're living in our head and we forget that we are who we are. And this is that would have just sounded really weird, but it's true. Hear me out on this. Imagine you're in a relationship with someone. And most, a lot of people are in this situation. And you spend time with your partner, you get them a gift, you write them a nice card on their birthday, you have, you have sex with them, 
you're, you're in a relationship with them. But, but you don't take the time to look them in the eye and just be like, I fucking love you. Like, I see you and I fucking love you. I'm so grateful we're doing life together. Like, seriously, you're looking them dead in the eye. That doesn't happen for me. It didn't happen in my last relationship. I, I did it a bit. And it was like one of the things that's most important to me in my, my next relationship. But, but it, it, would, it, it wouldn't be deep. It wouldn't be meaningful. It wouldn't be fulfilling. And, and there wouldn't be that, that love that makes a relationship so special. And so this is, this is the same thing for ourselves. Like how often do you look yourself in the eyes, in the mirror, and tell yourself that you love yourself? Like most of the time, like probably for you, for most people, even me sometimes I forget this. Don't do this. Don't acknowledge our existence, our presence. Because we can look in the mirror and, and not be looking at our soul. We can look at ourselves in the mirror and flick our hair, brush our teeth, whatever. But we're not thinking about the fact that, hey, there's a, there's a soul there. There's a human being right there that is, I'm living in this body. I'm living in this mind. I'm living in this soul. This is me. How often do I just pause and just be like, dude, I love you. And these are the three questions I'd recommend asking after you've acknowledged your presence and acknowledged your love for yourself. What are seven things that you're proud of about yourself that you've done? It could be like, you could do this regularly and it could be a daily, seven things today, seven things over the last week, over your, over your whole life. What are seven things you're proud of? Next question is, what are seven things that I forgive myself for? And what are seven things that I commit myself to? And doing the, it just has, this is something you got to try, but it really changes the game. This is just, this is a beautiful activity, a beautiful piece of mirror work that you can do. And it is so special. It's the sort of thing that you do and you're like, why do I not do this all the time? Because, yeah, it, it, it's crazy. I, I gaze with a lot of my friends. Like most, I'm not going to say most, probably 50% of chats that I have with my friends. I'll be like, what's eye gaze? At least one point, just to acknowledge their presence. Every podcast guest that I interview, I do an eye gaze before because it's like, hey, human, I see you. We're not just coming on here, blah, 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 talking and then moving on. It's like, no, you're there. Like you are a soul. You're a person. So doing that with yourself is so important first to, to cultivate that with yourself first. And so that, that just knowing that gives rise to the possibility of being your own biggest fan and being in your corner more than any, anything else. And that's such a powerful foundation that most people don't have. I'd say Oprah Winfrey has it. I'd say Conor McGregor has it. I'd say Lady Gaga have it. This like relationship with themselves, with God that's deeper. And it starts with this. Being in your own corner starts with that. Just acknowledging your own existence. So yeah, I'd say that's, Love that. that I, I love that. I love that. to myself. Yeah. yeah. I got a similar thing. I, I ask myself three questions every morning as well. Um, I got a, Seven. there's a lot of other stuff that goes before my morning routine, but in the mirror as well, I got a lot of mirror work that I do. And it's like, uh, what, do you, what do you want from today? How can you improve today? And who are you currently and who do you want to be? I always ask myself that every morning. Dude, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's such an important, it's such an important thing like to roll out in your day. Because if you don't know who you are and who you want to be, where are you going to go? You don't know. Yeah. You don't even have the uh, compass point. Yeah. So Beautiful. Thanks I, for sharing. I love hearing love yours. So, fellas, that is, Thanks, yeah, we're going to wrap it up there, bro. But that was like, I'm just downloading everything we said. And I'm like, 
there's a lot of gold nuggets in there. And I'm actually really looking forward to cutting this up and putting this into little splices and putting it on the Instagram. So there's so much yeah, taken away. Can't wait for you to do it. I'll, I'll share them. Yeah. That's great, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate the uh, the space that you held. And you, you're a really beautiful man. And um, you ask really genuine questions. So thanks. Cheers, brother. Thank and you. I'm just going to reiterate to everyone as well. Check me out on Instagram. I love connecting with people on Instagram. Just find me at, at the Ryan Magic and send us a message. Um, and if you're interested in that workshop, I'm going to do it for a small group of people and just have it really intimate as a trial run. And I just want case studies in exchange. And it's 500 bucks. So it's a lot cheaper than my usual work. I charge 8K a month for one-to-one coaching for two sessions a month. So my rate's 4K an hour. So yeah, get in on it. Get in on it. Any links and everything, and I'll put everything below as well for everyone. So they There's can literally no, I don't even have a landing page or anything thing for this. It's just I'll in put my you, Insta story. Yeah, I'll put your Insta stories there. Um, tag as much yeah, stuff yeah, as I can so everyone can find you. But other than that, thanks, brother, man. thank you very much, man. Big Appreciate love. it. Big love. Thanks for the li- thanks. Thanks for the listeners for tuning in. Massive love. No worries. And thanks, bro. Peace. Woo. I'm Mr. Hecker. And if you don't know, now you know that is our show for today. I appreciate your love, your support. Please have a beautiful, lovely day. If you could, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. That would be much appreciated. Until then, peace and love, and I'll see you on the next one.